Welcome everyone to episode 67 of Level Up. 60 minutes of live question and answers where your questions and your votes drive the show. Please use the slider link in the chat to vote up the questions that you want answered and add your own if you like. Level Up is live Mondays at 8 a.m., Fridays at 2 p.m. UK time, live streamed to YouTube and LinkedIn. You can find out more about what we do by visiting apmginternational.com. My name is Stefan Brandl. I'm the leader of the EMEA region on behalf of APMG, and I have the honor to be your host. Today, we're talking about building a culture of business relationship management. That's a topic that gains more and more interest in organizations as there are more and more BRMs jumping into that role. But business relationship management is all about driving value and satisfying purpose to ensure sustainability. So the question remains, how to create a proper environment and culture to achieve this goal? I'm delighted to introduce you to our panelists who are all well-recognized experts in this field. Hello, everyone. I'm starting with Malini Jayaganesh, joining us from Australia. Malini is featured in the BRM Institute's Global List of Top Business Relationship Managers in 2019 and 20 Global Excellence Awards. He's a writer, a coach, and a trainer for business relationship management certification. Welcome back on the Level Up panel. Malini. We also have on the call Claire Agata. She's a director at ITSM Zone in the UK, providing accredited e-learning in DevOps, ERM, ITIL, and more. In the last four years, she was recognized by Computer Weekly as one of the 50 most influential women in tech. Welcome to Level Up, Claire. Will. Thank you very much. Roy Youngman is the Chief Innovation Officer at BRM Institute. He's joining us from Texas in the US today. He has considerable experience in nearly every role across the technology spectrum. At BRM Institute, Roy is the architect of the body of knowledge of BRM, a researcher, author of several cornerstone articles of BRM-related knowledge. Great to have you on Level Up, Roy. Hello. It's my pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it. Thanks. A welcome return to Mart Robus. Mart is the president of Interprom, coaching, consulting, training, education firm in the US. Examples of areas he has specialized in are business relationship management, service management, information security management, project and change management. Like the other panelists, Mart is looking forward to sharing his experience with you and to answering your question. And we finally certainly do, Stefan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. And finally, we have Basil Barons. He's founder of Radish Wheat Consulting, who's focused on sustainable business digital transformation. Basil completed an executive MBA at the University of Cape Town with distinction featuring a dissertation on leadership as practice on organizational power dynamics. Basil is a board member of BRM Institute and the South African chapter. Welcome back, Basil. Lovely to be here. Thanks, Stefan. 
Yeah, how impressive is that group, actually, right? Now, those of you watching online, please join us in the chat. We make sure your questions come right into the panel. Our question master for today is my colleague, Shanice Mitchell-Cox, who joins us from the UK. Shanice, would you mind sharing the first question? Of course, Stefan. So the first question is from Ben. Why is a culture of business relationship management required? Okay, we have uh, Roy and then Claire. Um, Roy, if you may start, please. Well, uh, I tell you what, before I start with the why, let me start with the what, you know, because you might ask the question, well, what is culture in general? And then more specifically, what, what, is a, um, what, what is a BRM culture? So let me start with culture. I, I, this isn't really a definition, but it's more of where does it come from? Uh, the, the theory of relationshipism calls out that a culture is a really a reflection of all the relationships that an organization has ever had amongst uh, the people that have anything to do with the relationship. And that's both past and present. Now, that's useful to think of it that way because that gives you a hint as to what you can do to evolve culture. You can nurture relationships. You can actually do something about relationships. Now, uh, when you think about a BRM culture, well, a BRM culture is one, at least in, from my point of view, that puts relationships first to where you're, 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 you're giving as much thought to the effect on a relationship as you are about the results that you're actually trying to achieve, you know, the, the product that you're building, the services that you're offering with the, with the belief that if the relationships are really, really good amongst people, the natural outcome is great products, great services, continuous improvement, uh, uh, nothing but positive results from a network of, of great relationships. So I'll start there in, in terms of just putting an anchor in the ground as to what a, uh, a BRM culture is all about. All right, thanks Roy. And Claire, would you like to add? Yeah, I mean, completely agree with, with everything that Roy said. and. Really, what I want to do is just give a couple of examples from my experience as to what happens when you don't have a BRM culture. Now, you know, BRM obviously is, is organizational wide, but most of my experience is in the, the tech space. So just, just a couple of examples from the tech space about, you know, what happens if you, if you don't have this, this culture in place and you don't emphasize those relationships. One of the first things that you see quite often is IT delivers what it thinks the rest of the business needs. So maybe they get, you know, entranced by some shiny new technology or we spend a lot of money on a project that, that we think will be really, really helpful. But then when we're actually delivering something, we find out this isn't actually what our customers wanted. So that's that's one example. And then the other one, of course, is when we're in this sort of order taker situation where people are just saying, give me this, I've seen this, it looks good, this is what I want. And because the IT department doesn't have the 
ability to say, actually, there's something that could do this better, or this won't work with the rest of what we have within the organization, then you get um, kind of suboptimal results there as well. So if you've got that culture, you've got those relationships, you can start to have the conversations that, that lead to better outcomes. If you don't have that culture, then I think, you know, most people will have seen examples that are similar but you you do you do experience these results which cause problems in the future all right thanks claire all right um if we can just move on to the next question of course um so we've got a question from danielle Oh, sorry, Sammy, uh, in France. In an ideal world, how much is driven by business relationship management and how much is depending on other factors? Roy is volunteering. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Roy. Yeah, I find this a very interesting question. Um, first off, I... I you know, the, the in an ideal world part of it sort of implies uh, some sort of nirvana. But let's assume that we actually get into an ideal world. Well, to me, the ideal world is one in where every relationship that has anything to do with an organization is as good as the best relationship you've ever had. Now, if you put that, if you try to think about that, just think about the best relationship in a work setting that you've ever had in your whole life. And then try to imagine that every single relationship that has anything to do with that organization is as good as that one. Well, that's an ideal world. <laughs> now, it's kind of unachievable, you know, because people are people and not every relationship is gonna be as good as the best one that you've ever had. But that's what you're trying to build, you know, to try to get to that, that ideal world. So how much of that is driven by business relationship management? I, I see business relationship management as the owner of the network of relationships. So it's it's the, the role of BRM to, to nurture, to grow both the volume of relationships in that network and the quality of relationships in that network. So it's not just about the relationships between a BRM and and their business partners. It's about the relationships across the board. And that's a, a really uh, a, 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 a significant thing. But once that network is solid and there's people of high influence in that network and there's knowledge about how to stimulate the network with, with uh, new behaviors that evolve the culture in the positive direction, then the network is doing the work, not really being driven by BRM. BRM is more of the curatakers or the, the curators of the of the network that allows for uh, culture to evolve over time. Hopefully, that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I wonder, uh, Malini, if you would like to disagree or agree on what Roy just said. I think Roy has, uh, you know, has, has raised some really interesting points. What I'd like to add to it is um, organizations are made up of people. So, um, and, and therefore the relationships between, between these um, 
in these persons is pretty much um, foundational, you know, to, to the outcomes that we uh, achieve uh, in, within the context of the organization and the work that we do. So, Sami, to your question as to how much is driven by business relationship management and how much is depending on other factors, I would, in my personal experience, I would say that a very significant proportion of, uh, you know, what we are able to achieve is actually driven by relationships that we have with uh, with our colleagues right, and the people that we are partnering with. Uh, other factors, if they exist without a good culture of business relationship management, you're not really going to get very far at all. Right? Uh, in, in another panel discussion, I, I talked about relationships as being the cement that actually holds the structure together. So I would say business relationship management is really critical. All right. Thank you. Um, and Shanice, will we just go to the next question? We have a lot of questions, I suppose, in the moment. Of course, yeah. We've just had a live question come in, Sahid. Is there a relationship between employee agility and business um, relationship management? Now, well, if the panel is second, think about this, Amalini. First and second best, thanks. Um, I might kick us off. Um, of course, we can interpret employee agility in, in, in many different ways. And I'm, I'm going to interpret this as, um, you know, a person's ability to, to flex and adapt, uh, you know, and, and um, keep up with uh, evolving circumstances, right? And I think absolutely, yes, being able to, um, being able to um, adapt yourself, uh, you know, to, to circumstances is really critical because part of being a good business relationship manager is being able to understand, um, understand the context, uh, empathize with the persons that you're dealing with, and you might have to, um, you know, uh, challenge your assumptions, be prepared to, uh, you know, think differently, take on a different perspective. So I would actually say that there's actually a very strong relationship between, um, you know, that agility, uh, personal agility, and business relationship management. Okay, thanks, Malini. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely agree with Malini. And um, I think with regard to the agility of employees, I, I, I like to think of the, the term intrinsic motivation where employees are motivated by the work that they're doing, the environment that they're in. And if I, if I think of um, a transactional environment, there's this paradox where we're driving for results in a business, so it's all about the transaction, we forget about the relationship. Um, that actually doesn't, that creates environments with micromanagement, you know, of short-term thinking, and employees are then less intrinsically motivated. Paradoxically, if we focus on the relationship, then you know that's the environment in which employees can thrive um, and more purposeful, as Roy said, and and more intrinsically motivated, and that's actually where the agility comes from. So then you you are actually getting results through non-transactional uh, type of environment and a focus on relationships first. Thanks, Bas. Roy, you would like to add something? Yeah, it's always fun to follow Bas. Uh, with that focus on relationships, if you think about uh, 
one of the key ingredients of what makes relationships really, really good. Uh, it's when when both parties come to the table with a uh, with a growth mindset about uh, about whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. And one of the keys to a growth mi- mindset is the ability is the is it, it is the mindset that I can do anything. All I got to do is put in enough effort. There's nothing that I can't accomplish as an individual. And uh, two people working together in a partnership reinforce that. Well, if if people have growth mindsets and they're in relationships with one another, their agility naturally goes up because they believe they can do new things. They can stretch each other to to new levels of accomplishment. So yeah, relationships get better. Uh, growth mindsets improve over time, and ag- agility increases. It's very, very linked. Thank you very much. Um, Shanice, can you please come to the next question? Of course. Um, we've actually had another live question from Claudia. Is BRM not very close to stakeholder management? What is the difference? That is live. So that's Claire. Claire, if you go first, please. I think if, if we look at stakeholder management as, as a technique that we use, then yes, absolutely, we would use it as part of business relationship management, just as we would use it as part of organisational change management or su- supplier management, whatever it might be. It's absolutely essential that we understand who our stakeholders are, their drivers, their levels of influence. So I would expect stakeholder management to be a, a, a tool in, in every business relationship manager's toolkit that they're using to make sure that they're having the right conversations at the right level with the right people. All right. Well, it's very inclusive in a way. Yeah. All right. Thank you. So, Shanice, thanks for the live question. So we have another one. Of course. Um, so what are we've got a question from Kathleen in St. Ives. Apologies. From Candice, how can you turn a competitive behavior into a collaborative approach? I think, yeah, that's a question. Uh, OK, Claire, to start with and then uh, Roy and then Malina. So the, the key here is absolutely shared goals. What what I've seen in organisations when you have um, different areas competing with each other, maybe hoarding knowledge or refusing to collaborate, it's because everybody's focused on individual um, goals or they've got metrics in that are misaligned. So the, the key thing is to understand what's the shared goal that everybody's working towards because once you can get that understanding across to people you start to see people in in the same direction so you know thinking about what's driving the areas of the organization that are competitive trying to understand you know could it be something that a a manager's asked them to do so they're very focused on meeting that particular target or goal but understanding what's driving their behavior and then aligning them into a common direction is, is going to really help here. Right. Thank you. Well, then, Roy. 
Yeah, I just would add to that because I think the example of uh, of people holding on to their own knowledge and not wanting to share it is is a really interesting one. Um, I've actually experienced that in my career uh, uh, from both sides. You know, where I felt like, well, if I explain what I know to somebody else, uh, that somehow devalues uh, the things that I know. Um, and you, when you think about what kind of culture that ha- that kind of behavior happens in, it's it's this culture of hero worship. So the answer to that problem is kind of pretty clear: <laughs> stop rewarding heroes and start rewarding people for effort, uh, uh, and for especially for the effort of actually attempting to share the knowledge that they know. Um, the other thing that catches me on this question uh, uh, from Candace is um, not everything that looks competitive uh, as, as a behavior is necessarily uh, a, com- a, a competitive. Uh, re- remember that playing and, and being playful and, 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 and participating in games is, is the way we as human beings have learned. And it's an instinct that we've got, you know, that goes back evolutionary since the beginning of life on earth. You know, so, so be careful that you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, so to speak, um, being playful in a certain amount that has a, has a, a way of looking like it's being competitive, but it's not, it's, it, so don't confuse learning with, with, uh, with necessarily being competitive. All right. Thank you. Emmalini, please. Um, Candice, I would suggest, you know, uh, focus on two things at the bare minimum. One is try to understand, you know, as as Claire and, and Roy have said, what is actually driving the competitive behaviors? Right? What is it about um, the organization um, or the way, you know, messages are maybe getting filtered down um, from, from senior management, how they're being interpreted, et cetera? You know, what, what is it that's actually causing people to behave in the way that they are? And then you also look at performance measures. Too often, our performance me- the way performance measures are defined in organizations are quite individualistic. And um, one of the things that I do when I lead um, you know, BRM teams is uh, I actually make sure that we have performance measures um, you know, which drive us to actually take an interest in the success of others. In other words, you know, one of my outcomes would be, or key outcomes would be, that I have, you know, ways in which I have helped other people, um, you know, to achieve their outcomes. Uh, and that's often a very, uh, you know, it, it's a very simple thing that you might be able to um, incorporate into your organization as a first step towards shifting mindsets. And, um, you know, you'll see that it will, it will actually translate into day-to-day behaviors, right? So if you set the right targets, hopefully you'll be able to help uh, shepherd people towards the right sort of behavior. Thank you. Um, Mark, would you would you like to add something to that? Absolutely, Stefan. I mean, there's one quote that keeps coming to mind uh, for the past three questions that we've had from Steve Jobs, who once said, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go as a team. Uh, I thought it was very powerful. I think that's something that is a common theme, I think, where we're picking up on in all these questions. So I think this whole team approach, you know, this this collaborative mindset, 
of course, what relationship management is all about and focusing on to uh, nurture that and advance that. I hope that's a quote that we keep on uh, remembering in all these questions that we've had so far. Thank you. Probably for sure something to take away for candies uh, in terms of uh, competitive behavior and, and how to judge that. Okay, thanks, Janice. Um, would you mind giving us the next question? Of course, Stefan. So we have a, a question from Kathleen in St. Ives. What are your top five recommendations to build a culture of BRM? Top five recommendations. It's the, the recipe. Yeah? Give me the first five, the first ten. Right, okay. We have Claire to start with. So I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to five, but I'll, I'll, I'll start and we, we've got five people on the panel so I'm sure we can get to five between us but the, the, the biggest thing for me is understanding the why before you get started and you know so many organizations still don't have this understanding of the overall organizational strategy how that translates into the goals and objectives and how that translates down even to the the individual decisions that everybody's making within the organization so real clarity about that and then communication just constant regular communication it, it's something that I've seen um, with organizations that I've worked with is this BRM concept is is launched there's a big fanfare you know all hands meetings whatever it might be but then two months later it's it's just fizzled out and you've got a few people working in a room and you know they're only really talking to each other they're not talking to everybody else so those would be my kind of top two. Um, and I'm interested to see what everybody else has got to add to those. All right. <clears throat> Thanks, Claire. Uh, and Bas, you want to add something? Now, just, just adding to that, I, I think the, the thing is to understand that an organization does have a culture of BRM. Relationships actually exist in an organization. And to understand what is that capability of the organization? Because you might actually find that you've got a capability in, in the organization. There are a lot of relationships, but they're actually not effective. So try to understand what that capability is. And also look at the people that are contributing to that capability. Are there senior people in that space? Um, you know, we think of BRM as being the role of the BRM, just that single person. But as, a, as an executive uh, you know, on an IT team, I was also a business relationship manager, part of that capability. So you know, what, what we looked at is actually looking at what was our overall relationship capability as an organization and how can we then go about improving that. Then part of that is to understand how a role can, can contribute to building that culture. And the role typically in some organizations, the mistake that is made is it's a single point of contact. So it's the managing director of a business division and the managing director of IT and the business relationship manager is the single point of contact between those two people. But in fact, what the business relationship manager should be doing is understanding be a single point of focus for growing that capability between the various areas of the business. So those are two other areas that I'd look at. I think there are many more, but I think there's many ideas on the panel as well. Well, let's hear uh, from, from other panelists. Roy, if I may put you next. 
Okay. Again, fun to follow Boz. Uh, on the relationship front, um, when you think in terms, I mean, you'll, you'll hear it. People say all the time, we're a people first organization. And what does that really mean? Uh, it, it, when it comes right down to it, uh, it's hard to really quantify or, or get that in some kind of unequivocal type of behavior. Um, when you hear us say that uh, a, a BRM culture is one in where relationships come first, it's sort of the same thing. What's the unequivocal behavior that you're trying to encourage that you would see when relationships come first? I'm dealing with that right now. And it's interesting because one of the things I think about when I say relationships comes first is it gives me a new mental model for how I make a decision about when I send an email out or even if I'm going to send an email out. Used to be I'd write an email and then I would do an edit check. Grammatically, did it make sense? Does it, does it, does it, uh, is it going to be understandable to the person that I'm sending it to or to the people that I'm sending it to? Now I ask another question. I ask, how is this going to affect the relationships of the people who are going to receive this email? Is it going to make them better or could it possibly make them worse? And if I come to the conclusion that it could make them worse, then I ask myself, is there a better way of doing this? <laughs> now, that's an example of moving from Kind of a generality of relationships first to something that is very specific that I can actually do. I think about what I'm about to write in terms of how it's going to affect relationships before I send it. Imagine what life would be like if everyone in an organization did that. Well, you can make that happen. That's within your ability to do as, as a BRM. Right. Thanks. Mart, I want to hear from you about this. Well, as, as with any cultural change, right, uh, it's important that, uh, well, it would all, always be helpful that we have backing from leadership, uh, but it doesn't always have to. If, if we can all just reward the right mindsets and right behaviors that we're looking for, you know, from a relationship uh, aspect, but also point out uh, the behaviors today that no longer be well, tolerated this harsh because in not not good examples uh, and then of course that what does it take to get us there to get us to this new behavior this new mindset uh, that could be through rewards uh, that we um, you know put people on a pedestal that uh, basically show us the right behaviors um, but also be role models I think that's a, a recommendation. We all can uh, benefit from to point out this is the right game. These are the role models to look to look at. Uh, you know, to to have a, a relationship focused or relationship centered organization that can thrive because of its strong relationship. Thanks, Mart. And as there are as the question about five recommendations, why don't we ask five panelists? So, Malini, would you like to add something to that? I absolutely would, Stefan. Um, it takes time to build, uh, you know, a, a very healthy culture of business relationship management. So, Kathleen, what I would also suggest on top of what everyone else has uh, said so far is I think you, you need to think about what are some things that you can do in the short term and what are some things that you can, you know, 
plan to accomplish over the longer term. And in the short term, something um, that you can do, which will quite, uh, you know, um, quite significantly um, put BRM in focus is may maybe making some changes to uh, language. So in the business relationship management professional certification course, for example, we talk about, we give you some suggestions, for example, instead of, um, you know, instead of saying customers, um, you know, you actually can say business partners. Or instead of saying the business, you would actually say, you know, your business partner, etc. Uh, and I think sometimes those those subtle changes in language can actually make people uh, stop and think. And it's a very small thing that you can do. Doesn't take any investment at all, right? except a little bit of thought and effort on your part. Thank you very much, Malini. Yeah, so we've spoken to five uh, panelists. We got five more than five recommendations. And um, I, I mean, you can see now there are some reactions from our live viewers. And I think, and this is in a positive way, we could challenge our panelists a little bit more. So if you please just add a few questions, few more questions. We have already a couple of questions, but you want to add something live, something that you think, oh, I'm, not, I'm not going with this, or, or there's something I would like to have more a precise answer on whatsoever, yeah, please add to the chat. We will make sure that this is coming right into our show. Um, Shanice, I think we can um, go with our next question, right? Of course, Stefan. So we have a question from Kyle. What is the role of a BRM in managing change? Okay, we start with Roy. And then with Molini, and then with that. Yeah, great, great question. Um, if you think of change as happening through a network of relationships, uh, by the means of people in that uh, uh, in that network who are highly influential, the the role models that that Mark mentioned, uh, and that people imitate those highly influential people. Uh, and that's the way that changes spread rapidly and, and fast uh, by, by, with the change being these unequivocal behaviors, things that are, you are, are so binary that you can detect that they are being done or they're not being done. That's what unequivocal needs to mean. If that's the, that's the whole uh, infrastructure that allows for change to happen rapidly. Uh, the BRMs uh, and the BRM capability as a whole is the caretaker of that, that network of relationships. The BRM's role is to improve the quantity and the quality of the relationships in that network on a perpetual basis. That makes business relationship management the very cornerstone of an organization that is thriving and, and living perpetually. So um, uh, ultimately, you can, you can narrow all of that down to just one simple phrase, that the role of a BRM in managing change is to evolve culture to a in a positive way. All right. Thanks, Roy. Malini, please. 
Kylie, I've worked in organizations where, um, you know, where really massive change initiatives have been deployed, uh, and they have actually um, inadvertently left many people behind. Right? And I also have worked in organizations where we have um, evolved the culture of uh, evolved, uh, you know, the culture so that it's very much relationship centered. And then when we deploy very complex change initiatives, such as digital transformation, it actually ensures that all the people that need to be included, uh, you know, and brought along on this journey are actually uh, given that opportunity to do so. So good re business relationship management practices actually help to um, address various challenges that come with change, you know, such as resistance to change, um, you know, anxiety, uh, and other such things. So I, I, I actually think um, business relationship managers have a very, very critical role to play um, in change initiatives, even when there are change managers. Right? Um, this is actually a, a very complementary role to that. Thank you. Lars, you're next. So Thanks for that, Carl. The question, very, very interesting question and a big part of the BRM world. Uh, and to answer that one, I'd, I'd like to refer to some of my experiences over the last you know, 10, 15, to 10 to 15 years in specific change spaces. So the, the two change spaces that, that I've really seen BRMs being effective is at the organizational change level. So if you, if you, if, you know, working in a multinational organization, we could actually see where the effective BRMs were operating, um, where there was this change in thinking in in the organization at the organization level, um, and and this was between IT and and trading divisions. You could actually see the effective BRM was working from the senior executive level down to the junior level. You could see that there was a, a better relationship focus uh, towards IT. And IT was able to be more effective in those spaces. So you were actually able to get better results uh, for the IT division and for the group as a whole. So that's what we saw with regard to change and effective BRMing at an organizational level. But then at the other, at the other end, what Malini spoke about is on the larger projects. What we typically had is we had a change management, a change transformation approach. And there would be a dedicated person typically who wouldn't necessarily be the BRM. The BRM could play in that space, but there would be a specialist change transformation person. But when the big programs went in, we found that the user community right up to the heads of the organization encountered significant frustration, which is part of change. And, and many of the times those were relationship issues, which the BRM played a significant role in, in working through those relationship issues. And I would say some of our biggest programs succeeded because of the efforts of the BRMs in, the, in those spaces. All right, thanks. Mark, may you, you want to add something? I'd like to add to these great uh, answers that um, I mean, as a BRM, you're so uniquely positioned between the provider peer organization and the business partner. You're kind of neutral, this independent, hopefully this uh, trusted person that you're the go-to person that people uh, come to when they have these anxieties and fears when they go through a change. 
So hopefully you are that coach, that guide, that people are, uh, perceive you as such um, and, and be there for them. So be that shoulder to cry on sometimes. And be that 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 um i think you're you're so uniquely positioned to uh to be all that for an organizational change thanks mart so kyle there's probably something to take away from these uh answers from our from our panel um shanice let's move to the next question please of course we've just had a live question come in from uh, jan van bon relationship first relationship seems to be a goal but it, isn't it rather a means to an end doesn't the goal come first right we have roy to start with yeah this is a, a great question very very insightful uh uh the if you i'm going to go back to, you know 20 30 years when the when the quality movement was really uh, starting and uh, and a lot of uh, people will ask the same question relative to quality. You know, isn't isn't uh, quality the after the after effect of, uh, or, or isn't process? Let's say the 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 you know what what happens as a result of having good product. Uh, and you know, the quality world quickly kind of figured out that no, you know. Process is what comes first, and if you have the process right, quality comes out on the other end. Metaphorically, that's very similar to the situation of relationships first. Uh, if your relationships are really solid, your uh, your uh, your product and your services will be great. Uh, that's a hard concept to really buy into, uh, and until you really start thinking about it. For me. What really helps is to always go back to the, the same question or the, the same way of thinking. Think about the best work relationship you ever had with anybody. Yeah. Um, and then try to expand that that type of relationship into every other relationship that you have and that into every other relationship that anybody else has with other people. And then try to imagine what would you accomplish uh, in, an, in an environment like that? What would that kind of organization be able to kick out in terms of quality product, faster, better, and, and, and cheaper than anybody else? Uh, what kind of innovation would happen in that kind of world? Product would, would, un, would be there. Uh, it, it, is, it becomes the end result of great relationships. Great relationships aren't happy if they're not producing anything. You know, think about that again in terms of the best work relationship you ever had. Think about what you were able to do working with that other individual or the set of individuals that you were working with at a time. And then you'll, you, that'll help you uh, overcome that, 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 that leap of faith that if the relationships are really, really good, product will be a byproduct of it quality product faster better than cheaper than the competition thanks roy um Shanice, let's move on to the next question of course um we've got another question from kyle what three things can i start doing now that will make a difference well panel um 
this is okay. We have, um, I start with Claire, then Bart, and then Roy. So I think we've we've got three hands. So I'm going to say one thing, and again, this this is based on a on a, a client that I've worked with recently. The the one thing that I would say is do not be frightened even now to start having the difficult conversations. So I've I've seen this in a lot of organisations where people are. Um, you know, they want to start some kind of business relationship management initiative. They want to start working with different stakeholders in the organization, but maybe because of something that's happened in the past, some poor relationship, they're frightened to go out and ask people, what do you want? You know, what do you think about this? How are we doing? How can we do better? So the, the, the big thing for me would be to start having the conversations now, start talking to people. And that's going to be so helpful in terms of, of guiding the rest of, of your initiative. Thank you. Bas. I see it's Carl, it's, it's, it's you again. So lots of interest in the BRM field. Great to see. And, and I think, you know, the first thing to start doing is be relationship centered. Um, Typically, what we've seen is is people that are relationship centered, that are empathetic with people around them, get get noticed in that space, and are typically when that type of capability gets thought of for an organisation, those are the people that get considered to move into that space. Then the other consideration would be, you know, are you coming from inside a team, or are you an executive heading up a team or an organisation? Because if you if you inside a a an organisation in a team. You might want to start looking for areas where relationship-centered approaches are working and, and gravitate to those areas and maybe highlight those areas and, and highlight those areas perhaps to executives to say, these are areas that are really you know, producing. As, as uh, the previous comment said, they, they're really helping us to achieve the goal. And then lastly, if you are in that executive position, do the research as to what does effective BRM look like? Start the process somewhere in the organization and, and get the wins. And if you're unsure where to start, there are many people out there that have significant expertise um, with the BRM Institute and, and independent people that can advise in that space. So I think that there's quite a few, quite a few things you can do to get started. Thanks, Baz. Roy? Yeah, uh, so my top recommendation uh, and, and this is for anybody uh, it, it, as, as a way to improve relationships, start off with your own relationships. And the way to improve your own relationships is to work on your own growth mindset. You don't know what it means to have a growth mindset? Do the research. There's a uh, hundred thousand videos on YouTube, uh, all sorts of great articles and research done on it. Um, but developing your own growth mindset is, is, will set you up to have better relationships with the people that you come in, in into contact with. And then you can help them with their, with their growth uh, uh, mindsets. So it's a good way, just a foundational uh, uh, skill set to have in, in building relationships. And then one other thing I would say is think of one unequivocal behavior that you could do and you would do for the next 40 days. Uh, I gave an example earlier uh, of something that I'm currently in, of asking that extra question that before I send an email out of how is this going to affect relationships if I send this email the way that it's currently written. That's an example of an unequivocal behavior. 
you could pick others, you know, like uh, start every meeting mm -hmm. on time or, or don't use inside out language when you're describing your organization. Um, but grab one of those and give it a shot and learn how to be one of those highly influential people in a network of relationships that 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 instigates change and 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 see how that change actually takes place across your network that'll be a great experience for you thank you um we are getting closer to the hour so i think we have time Shanice, for one more question don't we we do, yes. And we've had a live question um, from Jan Van Born again. Can you create great relationships without having great services? Well, that's, that's a good question, isn't it? Bas, and then Roy, please, to start with. So, so Jan, I, I think that my answer is yes. And the reason I, I say that is because very often when we've introduced BRM capabilities and roles, it's into spaces that don't have great services. And that's the very reason why we introduce business relationship management, because we find often that the services are poor because there is perhaps an insufficient relationship focus um, and insufficient uh, mechanisms of the teams working together to create create great services so we found that it does take time to get, create great services with brm capability you also need to have fundamentals you need to have the right architects and you know the right people for each of those services so it's not just all brm we're not saying that but it's a key component when, when building services successfully thanks next roy and then claire please yeah excellent answer Boz. Um, so uh yeah it, it's hard to believe that great relationships can exist when the product or the services are just terrible uh, uh especially table stake stuff that that just are the uh, are, are the minimal set of expectations that uh uh you know that your customers could have um that said um if you're authentic uh and there is is clear signs of improvement uh, those relationships will develop into great relationships uh it, you know it, it comes if if, it, if there's an acknowledgement of the state of of current things and a plan in place for how they're going to improve that people can embrace and actually believe in um uh then i think the relationships uh, uh can definitely uh, become great uh but the general idea that you're going to be the chief apologist forever and ever for a set of, of bad services, I would say that's that's not really ever going to lead to, to great relationships. There has to be a plan for improvement. Thanks, Roy. Claire, please. So I think as well, what we're missing is the emergent things that can come from great relationships. So, you know, same with the, the previous question, goals and the same with services it could be those relationships that the ideas for the great service you know you could have a real commodity based relationship with a client or you could have a poor relationship with a client but by building that relationship and putting the time in that could be where 
the idea for the new service or the enhancement comes from. So I think those those great relationships can actually create great services. You don't necessarily have to have the great services first. Thanks, Claire. Well, unfortunately, Level Up is just one hour. We had far more questions that came in than we were able to answer. Um, so I first like, to, before we come to an end, like everyone for your time and participation today. This is to our viewers who, uh, who have watched us uh, for the past hour, uh, for the questions they have raised, and and huge thank you to the panel for all the answers you've given. Before we close, may I invite the panel for your for some closing remarks? I mean, you probably took a look at the questions and saw some other aspects you want to feed in, but please, short answer, short closing remark. And I might start with Malini, please. Thank you, Stefan, for the opportunity to be part of this um, fabulous panel discussion. Um, I have found, you know, business relationship management is a very rewarding, um, rewarding area to be working in, right? and and the benefits of those, um, you know, strong relationships that we foster and that we, uh, you know, sort of help to uh, create into networks, like Roy mentioned, they have far-reaching outcomes way beyond just our uh, immediate business objectives. Right? So it really helps us to be more resilient. And, and improves our uh, sense of self-esteem and well-being as well. And I would like to wish everyone who's watching this show, uh, you know, a great future in building business relationship management culture. Thanks, Marlene. Claire, please, you're next. Yeah, echo, echo Marlene's thanks there. Thank you to everybody for the questions. It's It's been really thought-provoking and kind of fun to think through some of these, these different things. Um, a huge thing for me is in terms of communication and a lot of the things like vision and what are we trying to achieve, but a lot of the effectiveness of, of BRM comes with getting into this cadence of communication. And there were some questions about how difficult it can be to drive that. And I think we, we do need to recognise that. But I think in order to be successful, you have to get into this habit of regular, consistent communication so that people know what to expect, what happens when, and, and that will really be with any sort of BRM initiative and, and any organisational change, really. So just to say that, you know, it, it's it's amazing to have the goal and the vision, but there's a lot of, of glue work that sits underneath that, that that often gets forgotten. Thanks, Claire. Maud, please, your closing remark. I'll keep it short. Uh, when we're talking about building a, a culture of uh, relationship management, to me, it comes down to um, building a culture that is based on trust in which actions speak louder than words. All right. Thank you. All right. Um, Roy, you're next, please, for a closing remark. Yeah, I mean, um... When you think about the the uh, social networks of the world, Facebook and LinkedIn and things like that, the term social capital gets used a lot, which really refers to the value of those networks. What we're talking about a lot today is the value of relationship capital. Uh, every organization has some. And the the future of business relationship management is 
all oriented around increasing that relationship capital, which well may well may be the most important and critical asset of any organization that really wants to thrive forever. Thanks, Roy. Bass, your turn. Thanks, Stefan. It's, it's been great to be here and wonderful to see the tremendous interest from, from you know, the audience, you know, people like Kathleen, Jan, Ben, Kyle, asking questions. And I think that's what's exciting. This, this community is so dynamic and vibrant, and there's a lot that can be done to create the type of workplaces that we want to work in. And BRM plays a big role in creating that kind of culture. So hopefully everyone that was on the call, you know, they, they experienced, you know, the potential of that and go out there and, and find out more. Thanks, Bas. And uh, last but not least, I would like to um, also speak to Shanice, who has been sorting the questions in the background while we were um, trying to, to answer them. Shanice, your closing remark, please. This show has been, this episode has been so great today. We've still got so many questions left. Um, so I think we're going to have to come back to this topic another day. But thank you to the audience and thank you to our expert panelists. It's always such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well then, everyone, <clears throat> um, over on our website, you can now search and view answers to over 800 questions that we have on apmginternational.com slash level up. It's an amazing free resource to connect you with over 100 experts from around the world. You can listen to the audio versions on your preferred podcast platform like Spotify or others. Level Up will be back this coming Monday at 9 EST with the cracking topic, How to Become a Rainmaker. Please subscribe to the show and we will send you a personal summary of what's coming up and how you can join us here on the panel and level up your career with APMG. Thank you, everyone. See you on the next show.